All right, everybody. Welcome back to another action-packed, high-caliber, rock'em, sock'em episode here of the Crypto 101 podcast. Uh, I'm pretty fired up today. Markets are starting to bounce back. Uh, the world uh, doesn't seem to be collapsing in on itself today for, for, for one day. Uh, you know, that, that seems pretty nice. Uh, but Pete's, how are you doing, buddy? The notorious pizza mind, Aaron Malone. <laughs> well, while you get the day off to feel good, I'm in an especially cantankerous mood after looking at who's on our show. Their name is Salad, and <laughs> I can't imagine anything more offensive or threatening to my way of life. Bryce, what are you doing to me over here? You know, I, I, we've worked together for years, you and I, and we've uh, I've seen you develop and you pretty much have developed as a human outside in, in every way outside of your diet. It has been strictly pizza um, or strictly, you know, meatloaf. And, and, and I'm not kidding. People at home are watching. I don't, I don't want to get too off track here, but Pizza Mind does not eat salad. And so no. when he saw the outline for today's episode, he saw salad technologies with Bob Miles, the founder, who I'm going to introduce here in just a second. He says, Bryce, what are we doing here? And I said, this is not what you think, Aaron. And I'm not trying to get you to eat your vegetables this time. Oh, I'm trying to God. show okay. you arguably right. one of the largest uh, decentralized supercomputers in the world. Uh, so Bob what? Miles, founder, uh, welcome to Crypto 101 Podcast. <laughs> Thank you, gents. Happy to be here with the markets <laughs> going up and excited to talk more about getting a decent amount of fruit of veggies. That's my agenda here. Let, I just well, got to come out. Decentralized cloud compute is definitely my appetite. So I guess Bob's <laughs> okay. all right. Now we're working together. <laughs> no, I mean, I got to come out just because I know uh, this is what every viewer is thinking. This is what I'm thinking. What is the name salad? What does it mean? Where did it come from? And how did you guys get salad.com for your guys' URL? It's pretty cool. Yeah, we, we're stoked with the domain. So we, we've owned it for about a year now. Um, and we actually picked it up from Hidden Valley Ranch, who had owned wow. it since 1996. Yeah, wow. so I just reached out to them. We originally had salad.io and, and they were uh, happy enough, foolish enough to sell it to us. So we're really <laughs> happy with the domain. And the um, the brand name Salad, it's, it's super important for us. We're building a marketplace, right? On the supply side, we've got individuals with their computers on the demand side we've got all sorts of different customers um, and finding a name that kind of bridges the gap for both was was a real challenge and we came across salad you know as one of our options and and we found on the supply side with all the gamers that we work with um it's really stuck they love it it's kind of come become part of the um the discord channel talking about being in the kitchen and chopping salad and contributing your compute resources to something that's uh much grander and bigger than that single ingredient of your machine. So it, it works. Okay, there it is. That makes sense. It's like uh, how they used to call like America a big melting pot. And then they're like, well, we can't call it a melting pot because we don't want, you know, everybody to be the same. It's more like a salad bowl. Like everybody's contributing something different, but they're still saying, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Like a heterogeneous, right? Everybody's got a little bit of uh, something else special to add. And, and with, what it sounds like I'm hearing with salad is, you know, there's a lot of people adding all sorts of different kinds of ingredients to this big pot, basically. And that pot um, is is leveraged or utilized by some end user who needs a supercomputer. Now, you know, why might somebody on the demand side leverage a network like salad? 
um, where, you know, you have all these spare, um, you know, resource, uh, compute resources, what, what are they going to do with them? Yeah, there's a couple of main advantages on the on the customer side versus the traditional cloud. Uh, the big one being the distribution uh, of nodes across different jurisdictions, different countries. We've got people supplying compute resources, so storage, bandwidth, and, and compute cycles, uh, CPU and GPU from 188 countries. So, so more or less all over the globe. So, so if you need compute resources locally or, or distributed across the globe, big advantage there. Uh, also with the IP addresses, residential IP addresses um, are, are really valuable for certain workloads. But by far the, the, the um, unique selling point here is its cost. Uh, the cost of our infrastructure, the cost of our compute resources versus the traditional cloud um, is just a fraction that of what they charge. So it's a real opportunity that we've identified. We actually started on the supply side, recognizing thanks to proof of work, thanks to the crypto space, that the unit economics, the value of, of people's connected computers uh, is really meaningful. You know, it's a, it's down with the market now with crypto, but, but there's a lot of latent value, a lot of underutilized uh, resources in the world that we can tap into and, and essentially bring to an existing market, which is paying an enormous amount for the equivalent resources with the cloud providers. So many different use cases, um, lots of nuance in those use cases, at the very high level, those, those are the key advantages. Are there any special workloads that function in a decentralized cloud better than others? For instance, using it as a content delivery network or ZK Stark cryptography versus, I don't know, streaming video or something like that? Yeah, it's it's a great question. We we haven't got into the CDN space yet to into content delivery. As you know, that there's a few um, protocol based startups that are sort of playing in that space. One of the the workloads that we find we're we're incredibly um, uh, competitive with over the the standard cloud is web scraping. So so there's a huge industry to go out there and collect data, all open public data from different websites around the world to understand. You know, if you're an advertiser, whether your your ads are actually getting distributed properly, uh, whether you're a retailer, you know, what's the price of goods from competitors? Ways of extracting this sort of data uh, through centralized clouds is a far more difficult than than using a, an infrastructure network like ours. So, those are the the types of use cases that we're starting with. Uh, we've also got bandwidth sharing. You know, working with a couple of VPNs. But importantly, kind of first and, and foremost for us, we think about the supply side. So the supplies of compute resources for our network, and we make sure that they opt in to every single workload. You know, who is it that's using their computer? What is the purpose? What is the nature of the workload? You know, that is all described uh, to an end user, to a supplier of compute before we actually distribute any workload. So that, that's a key kind of differentiator for us. Yeah, very interesting, actually. Um didn't think about that, but yeah, you mean you want to be supplying your compute resources for activities that you ethically agree with or religiously agree or whatever, right? I mean, you don't want you know, people doing bad stuff with your computer. So really cool that you guys give that flexibility to, to your suppliers. Have you guys seen a lot of um, uh, early stage traction and, and what does that kind of look like for you guys? Yeah. So so we launched back in 2018 was when the product first launched and if you think about what we're introducing, it's it's 
it's very radical. It's very uncomfortable. You know, it's when you're not using your computer, someone else will use it. And, and you know, this is a very difficult value proposition to bring to market. So the, the, the initial days, the first few months and quarters was real hand-to-hand combat kind of in Discord, open source software, but still talking to, you know, new potential customers or, or, or suppliers rather to say, Here's who we are. Here's what we do. It's open source. You can trust us. And, you know, we'd be putting in two to three hours of effort to, to bring new nodes onto the network. Once we started getting a reputation, kind of a digital presence, built a community around the product, you know, there's 50,000 people in our Discord, started to get a presence on Trustpilot and these other pieces of digital real estate. That's where that, that um, go-to-market became a lot easier. And you know, circling back to the traction question today, you, we've got tens of thousands of nodes on the network each day, each week, all with GPUs. And on the customer side, that's the next challenge that we have is to go out there. We know we've built a very valuable network, uh, compute resource that's that's comparable to the cloud providers, specifically the managed container services side of it. So uh, handling Docker containers and 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 those sorts of containerized workloads, and now we're going to going to market on that front. So, plenty of traction on the supply side. If anything, we've we've with the markets drop, we now have an imbalance where we have way too much supply and need to pick up more demand outside of the crypto space. Uh, but but uh, that that's the big challenge that lies ahead of us now. And then is this, uh, or is there an incentive, right? So, something that a, a salad supplier or a compute supplier can earn um, or get paid for for letting you know letting people use their uh, resources. And then also, kind of in follow up, when you say like, oh, letting them use their computer, it's not like you know people might hear that and say, oh, they're going to be able to go through all my files and get all my passwords and all that. It's nothing like that. It's just the spare raw energy that you know you keep your computer on and boom somebody else could leverage it but i don't think it's something where they could you know gain access control to your computer or anything like that no that's exactly right and that that's one of the big why now moments uh for us here at salad is these cloud technologies uh like containerization like virtual machines they allow us to spin up a containerized isolated compute environment a virtual machine uh on on the host uh, host machines on our network. So that completely protects um, uh, those hosts. And one of the analogies I, I run with, if you think about what we're building, it's it's um, the sharing economy gone digital, right? The first big breakout companies in this space were were Uber with, with vehicles and Airbnb with, with um, houses. We've now solved the host and the driver side of that equation. Um, now we're looking to solve the rider and the guest side. And the analogy there would be, you know, when you have a Airbnb guest coming around, instead of them going through your files, you know, they'd be going through your, your dirty laundry or your underwear drawer. You know, we're able to protect against that, that through containerization. Going to your to your uh, first question there, when it, we don't pay anyone. So, so this was kind of the, the, the big innovation for us. Uh, we're a rewards program. So you get rewarded for sharing your compute resources. Uh, the, the basic business logic is you install our open source software. You tell us what we can use. So how much storage, how much bandwidth, and when we can use your compute cycles. 
We detect that host hardware and then figure out what's the most profitable thing for your computer to do. You then get projected a balance from which you can redeem gift cards, subscriptions, you know, Netflix subscriptions, games, digital purchases. And we found that that incentive model, that value proposition is, is the really powerful thing here. That's what's motivating these tens of thousands of people. Yeah. Uh, and that's really cool because some, like a lot of the times it's like, you know, people might, you know, there, there's competitors out there that will issue people a token and say, Hey, like, here's a token in exchange for hosting all this kind of stuff. But then people are like, well, what do I want with this token? I can't really use it. I'm just going to sell it for cash. And so now when uh, you kind of see a system like Salad, where it's like you could have, you know, blockchain decentralized infrastructure, give people, uh, you know, rewards that are, you know, very, very uh, usable in, in the real world. And so that's, that's pretty interesting. I, I don't think I've heard of, of, of any really system doing that. And, and that's what we tried to do is really bridge the gap between the mass market and the crypto enthusiast. You know, fast forward five or 10 years from now, um, I really do see the friction around custody, you know, managing your own private keys and handling these different coins and tokens being massively reduced. But for now, to really appeal to the mass market, uh, we wanted to handle all of that in the back end and just provide something that's really meaningful and resonates with the mass market. And one of the big things that does for us is it abstracts away the workload. So users aren't signing up to, you know, support storage or Filecoin or, or mine Ethereum. Um, it's for those games, those gift cards, those subscriptions. So that gives us a totally workload agnostic network in the background and whilst also motivating the individual. And one, one last point on this, when I look at the, the, the landscape, you know, we, we hear a lot about token economics and crypto economics and the incentive model there. And for many people, this incentive model is broken. You know, if you think about some of these shared compute resource protocols, whether it's VPN, you know, CDN, shared storage, shared compute, the value proposition is if you have excess gigabytes of storage, share it to our network and you'll get paid or compensated in coins or tokens that are redeemable for storage. The same thing that you have excess of. And so we, we see that being a broken value proposition quite a, quite a lot across the network. Or, or, or the space. Um, and that's somewhere we really see ourselves helping and providing infrastructure to other protocols and, and um, crypto startups. Yeah, there's another thing that I'm seeing that might be a great partnership, and that's these decentralized repositories for smart contracts, for dApps, and a lot of this user interfacing stuff where they're kind of building like a WordPress for everything crypto. And that could just kind of be sandwiched right onto your user interface in the front end. So this is a really, really cool thing that it's like the, the perfect dream is like coming together from two different ends and being mixed into the salad. So there's your salad dressing right there, I guess. So <laughs> That's what be, we've been missing. Yeah. We, you know, it's, I'd love to pick, pick your brain on this sometime because I, I have sure. been spitballing. You know, there is in Fura, uh, Alchemy, there's these big kind of centralized providers that, that give an API or provide data to, to a lot of these dApps. Uh, or, or Web3, you know, startups, and they run on centralized AWS infrastructure. And so if there is a way that we can improve on that product and improve on the quality of that service, that's something we're actively exploring because we, we have the network today. Yeah, we desperately need an alternative to Infura for all the reasons you mentioned. If Infura goes down, 
what Infura is, is it's just the most popular Ethereum node, essentially, that so many of the wallets that we use, the exchanges we use, all connect to in the back end. And when that goes down for maintenance or there's a bug or something happens, like MetaMask doesn't work. That's a mm. big problem in crypto if no one's MetaMask can connect. So we definitely need to get away from that or at least have a reliable backup. So that'd be a great thing to run. You know, some of the more popular nodes that people want to spin up. I know that's a big deal right now. People are falling into traps of people offering this service, like strong nodes where they're paying like literally $20 a month in cash and getting back some completely useless token when, you know, someone like Salad could spin that up for them for a lot less and then give them rewards for using it. So, uh, man, dude, the sky's the limit for what you guys are going to do. Yeah, we're, we're really excited about the future. You know, what, one of our core propositions here long-term, I think it's it's quite nebulous today, but if you think about the interaction that we facilitate, we're, we're allowing people to power parts of the web. Uh, today, they just get rewarded in, you know, these games, these gift cards, these subscriptions. But as Web3 and as crypto really starts to emerge and picks up steam and, you know, we enter sort of this, this metaverse type environment, the relationship that we see being more meaningful and valuable that we support here at Salad is what are you supporting? What part of the, what community, what marketplace, what part of the metaverse are you supporting with your self-sovereign server that you get paid in the warm and fuzzies for doing, Right rather than just the games, the gift cards, the subscriptions, and kind of the dollars and cents value of, of, of that contribution of resources. And that's a future I'm really thinking towards. And, you know, if you look at the state of the, the industry today, I mean, it's so, at an infrastructure level, so centralized. Um, it hasn't become really important yet to, to hit that level of decentralization that we see coming in the future. Uh, but, but that's certainly a view that we have looking in the, the years ahead. Now, do you ever foresee a like a cryptocurrency or a token being part of Salad in, in one way or another? Whether it's through a um, you know a governance model as you guys like decentralize, whether it's through you know an access token that's required, or maybe you know that's how people will be you know paid out in some level. Because you know it's funny. It's like you know typically you know we, we bring on lots of different blockchain companies and crypto companies a lot of times there is a token associated to it but in this model for this protocol there's not so are there plans for one i should say yeah i'll, I'll ne i'd never take it off the table if you were asking me in you know the next couple of years the answer is no you know there, there's still regulatory some questions around whether that's the path that we want to take and is there really a competitive advantage for us right now introducing tokens and token economics and you know th there's a couple of comparable players in the space that are tokenized trying to build a similar decentralized cloud infrastructure layer or distributed cloud infrastructure layer to us and the real logic of going tokenized would be to incentivize those early adopters and and you know have them paid out in something that speculatively might go up in price over time um, I'd rather to flip that on its head and let us hit critical mass. Let us hit this stage where we're massive and um, then really think about, is this future for salad tokenized um, and, and how do we go about doing that? So never take it off the table, but, but we're not, not there yet.
All right, guys, with Bitcoin being, you know, around 22, 23,000 bucks right now and fears of a bear market being upon us, it can sometimes feel like there's nowhere to turn. I get that. But all right, let's take a deep breath. Everybody take a step back and let's continue to think long term here, because if we are indeed in a crypto winter, it certainly won't last forever. At least that's my opinion. Instead, let's focus on what we learn. Okay, the importance of diversifying. That's why a lot of us are in crypto to begin with. In fact, there's a famous saying from David Swenson, who used to be the chief investment officer of Yale's endowment fund. And he said, quote, the only free lunch in economics is diversification. I love that statement. It's so true. No, I don't mean diversifying with like Solana instead of Bitcoin or Ethereum instead of Matic or something like that. No, I mean spreading your wealth across alternative asset classes. In fact, a groundbreaking Ernst & Young study last year revealed that 8 in 10, that's 80% of ultra-high net worth individuals invest in alternatives, but only one alternative has near zero correlation to stocks, bonds, and yes, even crypto. The same one that actually saw increased appreciation the last time inflation was this high from 1973 to 1981. Yes, I'm talking about fine art, ladies and gentlemen, fine art, multi-million dollar paintings from legends like Picasso and Warhol. Now, this art is experiencing a total freaking boom, and it's fueled by inflation and volatility across all the other markets, because even as major stocks are down 15, 20 percent, I mean, so, I mean, you've seen some of these things down 60 percent on the year so far. Well, guess what? Global auction sales grew 25% for the first half of 2022. And as a result, people are flocking to the premier platform for investing in art. And I'm talking flocking over to Masterworks. Okay. They're longtime partners of the show. And what we think that they're doing at Masterworks, man, it is totally freaking genius. They're helping you diversify your portfolio with fine art for a fraction of what billionaires pay at auction and only taking the best of the best artworks that they're offered, which is less than 3% of what they see. So if you want to join the rush, we're going to help you out. We're going to help you skip the wait list. How's that sound? Just go to masterworks.com slash crypto 101. Again, that's masterworks.com slash crypto 101. It's also very important. You guys have to see some important regulation A disclosures at masterworks.com slash CD. And we're going to link to that disclosure uh, in the show notes. All right, let's get to the show. I think that, you know, as time develops, you know, the, the most important thing is just being flexible and, you know, being able to pivot or add things, take things away. Um, all that kind of stuff. So it sounds like you guys got a, a really good kind of, you know, a, a really good model there. And, you know, going through your site, uh, there was one quote that really stuck out to me. And it was from a, a blog that I think you probably wrote in April 20 of 2022. And it says, and I'm quoting, it goes, as our lives become further entwined with digital experiences, latent consumer resources like storage, bandwidth and compute cycles could become italics. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. 
by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The precious commodities of the 21st century. And I think that's actually a really, really you know, brilliant, simple sort of to the point, you know, quote that you wrote. So, so bravo, but tell me a little bit more about, you know, kind of what was going through your mind when, when you're kind of having these revelations that like, whoa, there's untapped resources, just like how, you know, maybe Airbnb, you know, the founders realize, wow, there's an untapped resource. Like how many times am I out of my house where somebody could, you know, stay in it, right? Okay. Or Uber, like how many times are there just spare cars sitting in a garage that could be utilized, right? It's unlocking assets. And, and there's so many locked assets in, in our computers, all that energy. But, but how did you kind of come up with all this? Yeah. So, so really for us, there have been many attempts at um, distributed computing before or the sharing economy in the digital right. space. Um, there's a few failure modes that we identified. Fraud is a big one. So, so really before proof of work, uh, fraud was kind of the torpedo that sunk a model like ours. With proof of work, we're able to onboard new nodes, kind of characterize them, apply a reputation system to them uh, or a reputation rating, um, and that then unlocks them for diversified workloads. Again, if you think about the Uber or Airbnb model, it breaks down with that, their five-star rating. So, so there was a why now moment for us um, with proof of work. Secondly, though, and perhaps more importantly, you've got the two-sided market problem when you're building a marketplace, which is how do you build up supply um, if you don't have paying demand? And then how do you get that paying demand if you don't have the supply to service it? So proof of work has was really the other big why now moment where it solved that two-sided market problem for us. For the first time, there was this 24-7, 365 tap that we could just turn on, turn off, and monetize all of the nodes on our network. So that represents kind of the baseline workload. Like I said before, where it gets really exciting is 
what you earn or what you generate in value from crypto today um, is like a tenth what AWS is charging for the equivalent processing power. Um, so, so there's the future opportunity. But we've had this, this big unlock that has come from crypto in the form of solving, you know, solving that two-sided market problem, solving for trust, solving for fraud, and, and really that thinking around storage bandwidth and compute cycles being the commodities of this this century you know that's that's where the trend is going if you look at the average american we now spend 7 hours a day you know staring at a screen behind that screen there is a a insatiable hunger for compute resources and it doesn't matter what vertical you look at demand is going up and to the right and so therein kind of lies that comment i don't think we've been thinking that way for about a year or two you know, we weren't the first to coin it publicly. I think I heard Pomp say um, that, that that compute cycles are going to be the commodity of this century. So, so he beat me to the mark there. Same with the self-sovereign server. You know, I heard that and I don't know who to credit. Um, but we see a future where, you know, you owning or being able to power that part of the web and that interaction without the interference of a middleman of the internet that's going to be an incredibly profound and widely understood aspect of our relationship with the web five or 10 years from now. But today it's just an incredibly nebulous concept. You know, we, we just assume that, that the integrity of the web is fine because it's, it's powered by the Googles, the Amazons and the Facebooks of the world. But, but under the hood, that's not the case. One of the core principles we teach here at Crypto 101 is making your money work as hard for you as you work for it. And if you're a technical on top of financially literate, that only doubles the opportunities that you get. And I think the real winner in the decentralized compute space is not necessarily going to be who issues the token that goes to the moon, but someone who is able to leverage Bitcoin or Ethereum or one of these other giant, really, really liquid tokens. And you mentioned regulatory uncertainty, but you know, through a partnership with someone like Swan Bitcoin, you could actually allow your users to opt in to take the rewards in Bitcoin through Swan, which is fully KYC'd and regulated and go through that whole process and essentially make home mining Bitcoin in a passive way work again. And I get messages all the time because I started in the space as a miner and people ask me, you know, how can I start mining Bitcoin at home? And my answer for the past several years has been, you can't. There's no way you're going to get any Bitcoin whatsoever. But if people are at least able to earn, you know, three, five dollars a day on the salad platform with their extra resources and cycles, you know, that can really add up, especially if you live in somewhere where three to five dollars a day is a full-time pay. And on top of that, almost all of our semiconductors are made in Taiwan. With all the political instability out there right now, should China really, really want to be disruptive, all they had to do is simply take out these 13 facilities in Taiwan, and there would be no new computers coming to the public sector for a decade. Anything made outside of that would go straight to the military and the government. And what we have would be what we have for a long time. And that goes right along with that narrative of these compute cycles and this ever, ever more hungry software and backend servers. Uh, yeah, there really would be quite the economy for that kind of thing. And this is like you mentioned, maybe five, six years down the road, I think it could be a lot sooner. Aaron, salad's recipe is what you're talking about. Um, I'm a salad guy now? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. You're officially a seller. Congrats. Fan. You played yourself, Pizza Mike. Yeah, I yeah. sure we, did. We trapped him. We trapped him there. Um, okay, two things I want to build on there because these are really deep, deep thoughts. Um, on the on the compute side, th- there's another tailwind there, which is, you know, we've got 15 years of cloud computing technologies. These things like containerization, um, you know, virtual machines, all of that tech that developed in the cloud is now shipping native to consumer devices. So from the workloads perspective, you know, if you're a piece of like machine learning code, you don't know if you're sitting on a powerful gaming PC or if you're sitting in a, in a rack in a data center somewhere. It's now indistinguishable from the code's perspective. So we've got that tailwind where we now have this heterogeneous network, but we can completely standardize the compute environment through VMs. And and secure that host through these virtual machines, which we spoke about before. A lot of criticism that we get is, well, your network consumes a lot of power, right? And, you know, that that is arguably true. But as we see demand go up and to the right uh, for compute resources, we have two paths we can take. We can either rely on, you know, these big manufacturers, Taiwan, China, and build new data centers and add the environmental footprint footprint that comes with that, or we just tap into these resources that are already there, connected online. The value chain is already, in terms of carbon intensity, has been expelled, they're expensed. And that's a resource that is valuable, but otherwise sitting overwhelmingly idle. So, But the other thing, the more exciting thing, coming back to to partnering with, um, or, or rather focusing around these tokens that are more liquid, this is where I see the future going. You know, there's going to be a few winners and a lot of losers in, in our space. I see a future where your computer, you can compete with the cloud providers, support any different workload that you opt into, you know, earn that 3 to $5 per day, but you can then stream sats, you know, in real time to, to different influences, to this podcast, for example. You could have a 1,000 people watching on their devices, their devices are concurrently supporting other workloads and streaming SATs to you guys. And that's where- For I those see- who don't know, SATs are Satoshis, and that's the smallest unit of account for a Bitcoin. So there's like 0.000001 BTC is a Satoshi or a SAT. So I know that's kind of, that might be new terminology. So I don't want people walking away from this being like, what the heck was that guy Whoa. talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a special topping um, on a very unique salad, a sat. No, a satoshi, exactly. And where it gets exciting is, you know, as we start to think about value, not in dollars or cents, but perhaps in Bitcoins and satoshis, uh, it becomes really meaningful. This is where the mind plays tricks on you. Your computer is capable of streaming thousands or tens of thousands of sats a minute to, to whoever you like. And you know, whether it's a, a website that's giving you special content, whether it's an influencer, whether it's a streamer, whether it's a podcast, whatever it might be, that's where we see the future going is, you know, micro payments today really don't exist. The credit card providers charge 30 cents per transaction plus a 2% fee. That that means, you know, really the lowest you ever swipe your credit card for is about five bucks because of that pricing structure. Once we have this ability to stream true micro value sets, Satoshis, um, without too much cost, it unlocks this whole new relationship that we can have with the web. And 
Um, that's where we see the value of your individual PC really playing a meaningful role in, in the years ahead. Yeah. And uh, if it's not already uh, obvious to the listeners, uh, not all PCs are created equal. And so I'm sure that on your network, you maybe want the, the, the newest computers. Is there like an application where you have to say, hey, you know, I'm, you know, I'm Bryce. I got the newest X, Y and Z computer and I'd like to apply to be a supplier or, or ha- could anybody just join the network? Yeah, anyone can view the code. Anyone can go to to um, you know GitHub and, and see what you're installing. Um, after that installation stage, you know we kind of detect the host hardware and let you know what you're compatible with and what you are not. Today, that's largely. I mean, we 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 allow people to opt in to CPU mine. So that's basically any device. We do we do caution people though. You have to look at the unit economics here. Like, how much are you spending on electricity versus how much are you you gaining? If you're CPU mining you're in the red, most likely. So, so we don't recommend it to you. That said, we're, we've got some really exciting workloads, you know, AWS type workloads coming to, to a CPU near you. So the unit economics are about to get much better there. That's encouraging. Uh, it's very exciting. We, we've got this one startup that we're working with, which is growing like crazy. And they they essentially are, are, are that web, web crawling. And not only are they pulling in data from the public web, but they're also applying machine learning to it locally on your machine. So you get paid for not only essentially surfing the web all programmatically in the background, but then making sense of it. Um, and, and, you know, AWS is charging them a fortune for that. And, and you know, that is, that is value that we would like to put in the hands of users, uh, mm. our solid users. So CPU soon will be economically rational. Um, there's also VPNs that we supply. And users can opt into this workload. It's limited. We whitelist what actual traffic can go through. So you're protected from anything nefarious. And, and that's basically available for any um, any any device, despite what CPU or GPU you have. But but yes, you're, you're absolutely right, Bryce. We target the... The gamers, the gaming Ferraris. computers. <laughs> yeah, the big GPUs. Like, we don't, we're not interested in the Toyota, Toyota Corolla Chromebooks of the world. <laughs> yes. But we'll get there. Those things are valuable. Just give it enough time. Yeah, exactly. Once, once the, uh, you know, you got you got to start somewhere, and you got to go after a, a target segment, and you can't just you know develop a protocol for everybody, the least common denominator. Like that just won't make the protocol uh, really work well. So I think it sounds like you guys got a great strategy there. Um, and a lot of the gamers, I mean, I, I see you know a lot of the gamers are really liking uh, you know kind of using salad. And, and one of the things, I guess my, one of my next questions is even if I'm using my computer, is there a way to use it and simultaneously have uh, sort of salad going, or is it like, Hey, this is so resource intensive that your computer won't function uh, any other programs except salad while it's on. Yeah. It depends on the workload. So today, if it's very unoptimized, uh, but if if you're doing proof of work and using your GPU, if we detect, and this is all configurable by you, auto start, auto stop. If we detect mouse or keyboard input, you know we'll stop in in the background there. Um, over time, we'll try and optimize and maybe balance the workload. But but really, protecting your user experience um, is first and foremost for us. Um, as we start to introduce these CPU workloads, you you might opt in to say. I'm happy to partition for a virtual machine 
you know, two CPU cores and and four gigabytes of my RAM, you know, a little bit of my system that I won't like recognize the degradation of performance, or I don't need those resources. And we can then with that virtual machine go and monetize those 24 seven whilst you can currently use the machine. But really it's, it's each to their own. You know, some of our users have such powerful machines. They might be GPU mining whilst watching YouTube and, and they don't even you know, see a performance lag at all. So there's a full spectrum there. Yeah, no, I love it. It's uh, it's cool because, you know, so many people uh, have these computers all around the world and, uh, you know, it's just a big cost. And now it's like, hey, we could actually have our computers earn, right? And like Pizza Mind said, not only we're having our money work as hard for uh, uh, for us as we are for the money, but now we have our computers that are working hard for us while, uh, while we sleep. Um, and, you know, earning Netflix subscriptions or maybe even, you know, YouTube bucks or whatever it is, there's going to be a million and a half different things you could earn, but, uh, this is, lunch. yeah. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Just have it, have it buy me lunch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, and it, it sounds small, but like it all adds up. It all adds up. And, Absolutely. Uh, uh, perhaps we'll, we'll have to add a, um, pizza hut gift card for, for our, <laughs> um, but yes. And then on top of that in, you know, I already touched on the warm and fuzzies. I think where this becomes really meaningful is, you know, how, how do you trust what it is that you're viewing online there and, and who's filtered what it is that's coming through your screen. That is the big promise. One of the big promises of, of crypto, right. And these, these different peer to peer networks, uh, the entire integrity of that value proposition is undermined if it all sits on centralized infrastructure. So fast forward, you know, your self-sovereign server powering and verifying and, you know, participating in the consensus of, of what's happening online is going to be, you know, mission critical to, to our future, future web, to web three as I see it. Love it. Well, this has been awesome. I, I know I've learned a ton already and I've got a couple kind of closing questions, but uh, it, it, before we dive into that, is there anything that we didn't ask you about salad that, you know, you wanted to highlight? Maybe it's a partnership, a milestone, uh, s- some upcoming development, anything that we might've missed? Yeah, we haven't announced this yet, but but we're just on the cusp of launching a managed container service. And that that is the biggest growth kind of sector within the cloud computing space. Um, I know you guys have a, a real crypto oriented audience. We can, we can, we're taking on beta customers now to, to actually provide this infrastructure. And one of the things I'm really spending time trying to understand is how can we be useful playing sort of a decentralization as a service role to the industry? So if anyone wants to reach out to me, you know, my email is bob at salad.com. I'll, I'll take That's that. That's an off. easy one. Yeah, it's an easy <laughs> one, but I'd love, I'd love to hear from people. Uh, uh, before, as as we go to launch that new product. Yeah. Managed containers. Definitely not my area of expertise, but I have heard of AWS Elastic. Um, and Elastic kind of seems like the that sort of competitor to what you guys are doing with these containers. I mean, th- this is going to sound weird. Like, what is, why do they call it a container? What What is it? Yeah. No, it's actually, it's a great- <laughs> I should have asked this a while ago because you said it a couple of times and I'm like nodding, like I understand. And I'm like, okay, I got to ask. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's quite a clever concept where as development has matured to where it is today, you've got all of these different compute environments, you know, the hybrid cloud, you've got your own on-prem servers, you've got your own computer, you've got the cloud, you've got a 
you've heard of DevOps before. You've got to figure out all the back end to supply all of this, this compute and you know, power your platform, your product, whatever it might be. Containers are, are a very clever concept where you can bundle up all of your code and all of the dependencies for your code. So every framework, every you know, library, everything that your code, your workload needs to run into one um, container. One, ass, one digital asset or something. One digital asset, exactly. <laughs> they call it an image. See it, see ah. it as like, um, this is just coming to my head right now, but you know, when, you know when you were a kid and you got a Christmas gift and they sent you the gift, but there were no batteries inside or like whatever else you <laughs> need to play with the toy, you had to buy them separately. Same thing. It all just comes in the one package, plug and play, can execute itself. That's probably a really bad example. No, I, I, I think I think that made that made a ton of sense. It just streamlines the process. It's just kind of the next evolution of uh, you know execution and stuff like that. So, well, a crazy stat for you. So, so in 2017, zero percent of the cloud were, were these managed container services. Now we're pushing 40 percent. For some Holy of the big providers, smokes. yeah. So in in almost four years or five years, we've seen half of cloud computing take on this this type of computing. So it 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 really is the future of of computing is is containerizing and sort of making it all modular, all these different workloads. I love it. Well, one thing I wanted to ask was, uh, and again, not financial advice, not investment advice, nothing you ever hear on this show is, but. Out of all the um, sort of cryptocurrencies that are out there, are you kind of like a, a guy who thinks, you know, Bitcoin is going to be the end all be all? Do you think that there's enough room for many of these cryptocurrencies to proliferate and all these different platforms? Do, what's your kind of take on not necessarily where the market's at, like with prices, but just like that general high level? Uh, is it going to be a winner takes all like, like, you know, but I don't know. What do you think? I'm flirting with maximalism. I, oh. I think I think I think Bitcoin Bitcoins as as these kind of layer layers are built on top, that's where a lot of this future is gonna be. I I, I think, yeah, if, if I'm to place my bets, that's the bet that I'm placing today. I think there's room for, for, for a few different protocols, but I also think any other protocol there's room for for coercion and who knows mm. how it's going to play out and and yeah. so i'm i'm a bit of a maxi uh, when it comes to that question yeah no bitcoin definitely does have the the strongest level of security the largest level of adoption and uh, network effects and most users and you know it's not a brand with a ceo or anything but it certainly has that brand recognition like you know you go ask somebody you know even ask them what ethereum is and, and you know most people wouldn't have heard of it but a lot of people have heard of bitcoin i mean my grandparents know about Bitcoin now, and it wasn't even because of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so magic internet money. Exactly. But that, that point about no CEO, like there's there's no one to go point a gun at to stop this thing. Um, I think is is incredibly powerful. Yeah, it's the most decentralized kind of network that we've ever seen, um, and there's just so many other use cases for Bitcoin that haven't even been tapped into yet because it really is like this you know this huge huge peer to peer network that I think a lot of interesting applications are going to be built on top of it over the course of the next few years. And people are going to stop thinking about just Bitcoin as this asset that you just hold um, like a pet rock or like mm -hmm. gold in the bank. And you could actually utilize it online, digitally streaming payments to places, all sorts of different stuff like that. So awesome. Well, we, we got one last closing question. Everybody that comes on the show, we like to ask, but you know, it's crypto 101. And so we have a lot of new folks that are watching the show. This might even be the first time they've ever listened to a crypto podcast. And guess what? This wasn't even really a crypto podcast. 
Uh, this was, you know, not there's no nothing about tokens or, or uh, you know, markets and all that kind of stuff. We were talking about decentralized compute. But, you know, at the end of the day, what's one word of advice, one word of wisdom that a guy like yourself who's been running projects and companies uh, in the decentralized space, what's one word of wisdom for, for new folks that are just coming into this space? They, they saw crypto. Maybe it was the new shiny thing. They heard about it from a friend. They popped in. What do you have to tell to all the, all the listeners here that are, that are new to crypto? If you are new to crypto right now, you are probably hurting. Um, uh, you know, we, and if we, you're old to crypto like me, you're probably hurting as well. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, we're all we're all hurting right now. But but um, I think that the big thing I would say is we are so so early. We we are so early. So you know, take your time, relax. Don't FOMO in and 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 um, rage quit out. You know, get to get to to reading, learn the space a little bit more. Maybe start with Bitcoin, go from there, understand the fundamentals there, and uh, and know that we are so early. Love it. I couldn't have said anything better. Uh, Bob, it was a great time here today on the podcast, getting to know you, getting to know the project and all the amazing things that you guys are working on. Aaron, always good to see you and hear your voice as well. Feelings mutual. And Bob, you did the impossible. You converted me to a salad user. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's good to have you. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, everybody at home who's listening, we hope you enjoyed. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Come on back later this week. You know what it is. We're going to have some more guests coming at you. Take care. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.